Welcome to episode 237 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Better than you. Jeez. Wow. Well, this is, um, this is, I think, am I, am I eight days or nine days into this? You were eight days, two days ago. Yeah. God. So what's the, what's the illness? Is it, is it uh, Ebola, smallpox, hantavirus? Well, I think if it was Ebola, I probably wouldn't be here. You'd be bleeding out through your eye sockets? I think so, yeah. Um, <laughs> No, it's just a regular flu, but it's just, for whatever reason, it's hit me really hard this time. What, what were your symptoms? I mean, you don't have to get too explicit. Is just it started off with a really sore throat. I mean, the usual. And then, you know, dizzy head or whatever, but it just didn't go away. It wasn't, I went to the doctor and it wasn't bacterial. So they said it's a virus. You just have to sit it out. So I've just been taking the usual uh, up, Dayquil and NyQuil and just, yeah. <laughs> now, what really sucked about it was you had uh, your friend Shane Shane and uh, Sarah visiting, right? So, yeah. you, so they were gallivanting around L.A. with Georgie while you laid, laid exactly. in bed all day? It sucked. It was it was a double suck because I wanted to do stuff for Digidoo. I couldn't because I couldn't think straight. And I wanted to also spend, you know, some time out with Sarah and Shane. I couldn't do that, so... Yeah, it really sucked. But anyway, the listeners don't want to hear about that. And they probably don't want to hear my voice very much. So I think um, <laughs> I think this is one show where you have permission to talk as much as you want. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, you know, actually, I was going to uh, have my buddy Phil um, f- fill in as a uh, guest host yeah. or guest co-host since you've been under the weather. But I realized going through all my topics, I'm like, these are all like continuations mm-hmm. of things that we've talked about and it would just not work very well Uh not speaking to you directly, so I, I I suggest we'll just bring him on as a uh, as a third guest. Well, we're a th- we're a themed podcast with with great ongoing storylines, right? Well, we'll see if they're great. I guess we'll <laughs> remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, I just uh, there's all the, all these things I wanted to bring up. I'm like, yeah, I got I got to get Justin's feedback on on this. Well, let's just start off by saying, um, uh, Edward Snowden is he screwed? Well, he's currently marooned in the. Uh, in a Russian airport, uh, yeah. airport outside of Moscow, right? Right. Like his passport has been revoked. Um, I Putin has said, I, I think Putin's kind of like on the fence. He doesn't really want to do anything. He doesn't want to provoke the U.S. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't see any any political gain in giving him asylum, so or granting him asylum. So, well, he's, he's basically said, as as long as you're releasing secrets, like I'm not going to give you asylum. Right. And I think he's just playing. He's just trying to play politically neutral. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. I mean, I can't remember. We, 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 we were predicting what would happen and I can't remember what you settled on. Well, Did I you had, predict that he was going to No, be- I, I said he was going to get caught. He was going to be six months in Hong Kong, like in back streets, you know, um, going from like house to house of all these of, of like local supporters. Yeah. Jason, Jason Bourne style. Yeah. But um, this I did not predict this crazy kind of extradition well no the who was it who was it ecuador ecuador is been the, the ecuador basically screwed him because they gave him the papers that allowed him to travel into to russia but then he didn't he can't get past that he needed papers from them to, i think so yeah i think they, they yeah. huh i didn't know that i th- my understanding was that he was going to fly to ecuador 
from Russia via uh, Venezuela. Right. And I don't think he needed papers, but he wanted to, I think he was trying to throw off like the, the press corps. Mm. The Russian press corps, where they all got on a plane that he was supposed to get on, and then they all were on a flight to Cuba or Venezuela or something. It's Snowden what isn't in there. And the one guy was tweeting, uh, tweeting from one, the seat next to Snowden about the, the, what Snowden would really say if he had asked different questions. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, in terms of Snowden, I, it's it's like that uh, movie uh, with Tom Hanks where he's trapped in a uh, yeah he's trapped in an airport for I don't know how long a year months so, or so many months. yeah I remember that movie I can't remember the name of it. I never, uh, I never saw it. I just saw the previews, but kind of reminds me of it. It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, it's it it sucks for him. He's kind of uh, he's kind of screwed. I think. I mean, I'm uh, I don't I don't know. It, it, he put out a request for asylum to 15 different countries. They will most of them turn them down, right? I don't know if I don't know if there been a lot of response. I mean, that just was went out like yesterday or day before. I don't know if um, it's it, I don't know if we have any real. Uh, understanding of what the uh which countries might may or may not offer asylum but i don't know he's he's kind of he's stuck he's no man's land well the venezuela seems to say that they would give him have they they said that well the 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 president said he i don't know if he specifically said we'd give you asylum but he said we like you or something like that we you know we, we appreciate what you're doing yeah yeah so um well, anyway, I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on the NSA thing because we, we talked about it so much last last show. But uh, I will say, though, that the Europe is now up in arms about all of the uh, surveillance, U.S. surveillance right. on them, like Germany and France. Um, but France is part of – there are five countries. I think it was England. Right, it was. It was U.S., England, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. Maybe France wasn't yeah. part of it. It was called the Five Eyes where they each would – um, perform a certain amount of for foreign surveillance. Um, this this started a while back with the the NSA's Echelon program, and they would share intelligence with with each other mm-hmm. because so like New Zealand would handle um, Southeast Asia, you know, and uh, it was, was more convenient for them because they're right near those um, you know those beam splitters and they had you know access to yeah the telecom infrastructure in that part of the world so. I don't know. I mean, some some countries I think may be playing a little uh, a little dumb. You know that they've been kind of aware of what's going on, especially France. But I don't think Germany knew that to the extent to which they were being monitored. And, and you know, it's like it's kind of weird. It's like if you found out I was bugging your house, you'd be like, "Dude, yeah, <laughs> we were friends." Like, yeah. what is you know? It this it's it's you know pisses people off. <laughs> so. Um, I don't know. Let's let's we may come back to it if there's a topic or two that touches on NSA. But um, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on. I, I, I just, all I will say though is again, I, I think it's a really big issue, and I wish uh, uh, I wish more people were. The mainstream media is totally ignoring it. Like, yeah, you know, they just had they have limited they have limited appetite for this. You know, people people get like outrage. Uh, it's, it's called it's called like outrage fatigue or protest yeah. fatigue. people just you know e- even myself you know i mean obviously this has been uh, an important issue to me and as it has been for most everybody on hacker news it seems and uh, well it was when someone wrote on hacker news they submitted a grease monkey script that would turn off all edward snowden stories uh-huh. from that point forward the, the front page of hacker news has not really mentioned edward snowden very much yeah it's kind of like you know yeah people, people get bored of it it's like okay you know i mean they want to read about other stuff it just because it, these kind of stories, 
you know, first of all, it makes you, it's, it's not a ha- feel good story. Right. Right. And people don't like feeling outrage or frustration or anger, or disappointment for any length of time. After a while, you just start feeling um, <coughs> burned out on it. You just don't want to think about it anymore. The other thing is that there's, a, there's not a whole lot you can do about it as an individual. Yeah. You know, maybe you can write a blog post, maybe you can talk to some friends or tweet about it, try and spread the word, try and inform people who don't know about it, like that this is a, a kind of a big deal. Um, but after that, there's only so much you can do. And I was kind of funny. I was looking at my Twitter feed, the people who I follow, and I follow this weird mix of like um, tech people, like say, uh, you know, Jason Cohen or or Patrick McKenzie or whatever, and then uh, Rob Walling maybe, and then and then the other side will be like Glenn Greenwald and, uh, and and people talking about all this NSA stuff, and it's this weird dichotomy of things that are inc- that from a global scale, incredibly important, but which I have almost no uh, power to do anything about. Yeah. But then there's things that are not really important in a global scale, but on an individual level, I can actually, they're tactical things that I could use to improve my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's <laughs> kind of switching back. It's like, you know, NSA is surveilling, you know, everything that we're doing. This is a, this is the step one towards a move uh, in, in the direction of, uh, you know, digital tyranny. Uh, how to A-B test your website to customers. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just right. like, it's a weird <laughs> mental juxtaposition when you're going through your, your Twitter feed like that. That's uh, nice. So, I don't know. But yeah, I'm a, I'm personally, I, I need a little bit of a break. It, it distracted me for a while. I was so obsessed with it and I was just tracking all the stories and I was going to write a, um, like an NSA fact because I would have conversations about the stuff and I wasn't as quick on the absolute specifics, the, mm. at least as fast as I wanted to be. So people would have these misconceptions about things and I'd want to be able to um, correct them on it, but I, I, I couldn't spit them out quickly enough. Mm. And that was, uh, that was kind of frustrating. Cool. So anyway, um, yeah, let's, 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 let's talk about some, uh, some other stuff. So, um, World War Z. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. You did? I did, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I took Colby to it. I was surprised. I mean, I, I couldn't have imagined that being, a, like, the perfect film for Colby. Because it's, like, it's quite very adult. It's There's not, like, cartoony kind of stuff going on. No, so Colby, my son, who, who is eight. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he ever since he and I saw the preview together, we looked at each other and we're like, yeah. And did he, did he enjoy it? He loved it. Oh, that's he loved cool. it. Very cool. I mean, he did have one nightmare that night. He said it wasn't about zombies, but I think right. just the intensity of it yeah. affected him. But as I've mentioned before, he's pretty resilient. He's very adult. Like I mean, there's, there's no kind of, there's no child hooks in that whatsoever. No. I mean, it's a 100% adult drama movie. Yeah, no, he. That's uh, great that he he liked it then. Yeah, we like. Well, that's one of the uh, nice things about the ages he's getting to is that we we have a tendency to like a lot of the same stuff. Yeah. So you know, like um, you know, whether it's computer stuff or robotics or did you read the book? I read the book as well. Yeah. So the book is like different, right? So the the film is framed about a hero, as it were. But I hear that the book is not so much about a hero. It's just. it's like a, a uh, what's it called when you write an after? It's like a memoir. It's like someone doing an interview stroke memoir by interviewing lots of different people about their experience. Yeah, I know. This thing I, that had happened. I I know the um, 
that uh, I know there's a term for it. I can't think of it. And yeah. it was based on a guy, and I, I his name was on the tip of my tongue. Who he was like a radio personality, and he he did a series of interviews about World War II called The Good War. Oh right, right. And um, it was sort of based on that approach to storytelling. But because there's no there's no one person in the book, right? No, it's there, just it's just there's not even a hero. No, it's just a guy. So the setup is the beginning of the book. He, you know, the first couple of pages, he's talking about how he worked for the UN and he was trying to come up with this report. It was after the the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And they're trying to come up with this report for the UN about what happened. And so this guy sent out to interview people all around the world, people, you know, normal people on the street, doctors, government officials, military people, um, all sorts. And uh, to f- kind of find out what their experience was, what they saw, how thing, what, what happened. And he came back you know, and talks to his, you know, and presents it to his boss. His boss is like, well, this is great and all, but we can't use a lot of this because we need, we only need facts and, and numbers. We can't use all this personal um, right. interpretation and, and, and subjective storytelling. Yeah. And he was kind of frustrated about it. And so this, his boss said, look, go write a book then. Don't, don't say you can't go write a book on this stuff. So he goes and, you know, his character writes the book. So this is the book he's writing about all these personal stories. Yeah. And actually the author is Max Brooks. You know who Max Brooks is? Mel Brooks' son. That's Mel Brooks' son. Mel Brooks yeah. is the famous comedian, History of the World, Part One, Spaceballs. Okay, that's uh, Young Frankenstein. Come on, let's just let's name his most. You know important. that wasn't. I never saw that, or I never saw the whole thing. Yeah, is that one of your favorites? Definitely, Young Frankenstein. I have to think about seeing that then. But uh, yeah, so I, Max Brooks kind of distanced himself from the uh, the movie because he's like this. This is not World War Z. Whatever this thing is, you know, because well, he produced it though. No, he didn't. He he. They. Um. I don't think he produced it. I mean, he sold the. They. Oh, he did. Um. Uh, I think it. Pat. Uh, Brad Pitt's production company. I think it's called Plan B. Yeah. Um. Uh. Optioned the story. They were in a bidding war with um Leonardo DiCaprio. All and right. They they you know outbidded them and and they they optioned the. Uh, I mean, it, it is basically completely different to the book as far as I understand. Yeah, so they, they, they did, in the end, they probably didn't even need to option it other than for the title. Yeah. But um, anyway, it was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was really good. I liked it. I, mm. I, I, I felt bad because I initially told you that we might see it together, but it was one afternoon and, and it was just worked out where Colby and I had it. We could, you know, last minute we could run off to the theater. No worries. We saw it. We saw it with Georgie's parents who, who have this habit of going to see movies at like 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Really? Which well, is a really strange time. I don't know. It's just this thing. What do they get up really early anyway? They just get, yeah, exactly. So well, we, if you get up at 5 a.m., then by 10, <laughs> it's like middle of the day. Yeah. I, so we went to see we went to see it at 10 a.m. and it was great. Like there was no one there, but uh, it was a weird time to see that movie, but it was good. It was a good I, movie. I, I have a hard time. They don't seem like the, uh, the obvious demographic for a movie like this. Do they, they like it? They, lo- they do like a lot of science fiction. They do. Really? George, yeah, they're, they're an interesting mix. <laughs> Yeah, because you wouldn't think an, a couple in their 60s or 11s would be yeah. all no, in, into this kind of... They love Star Trek. They would go and see Star Wars, Star Trek, everything. You know, speaking of Star Trek, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this. I may have. Did I mention that Ensign Kim from Star Trek Voyager lives next door to me? Ensign Kim. Yeah, he's one of the main characters from Star Trek Voyager. Um, Is that did, did I mention that he lives next door to me? In your current block? Yeah. Yeah, we had we had lunch on uh, Wednesday. Went to one of the Wahoos. But which 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 generation? Voyager, Star Trek Voyager. Oh, I'll have to look it up. I've forgotten who he is. Yeah, anyway, it was it's uh, 
he's a he's a he's a character. He's he's really funny. Um, I wish there's some things I could I could talk about. I can't I can't <laughs> talk about on the show. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I, I remember him. You look in his picture. You remember him? Yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Yeah. So he he he. he I think he he makes a uh, a living now off of. I mean, he does some independent films, but and he he makes some money off residuals, I think. But he uh, he goes around to all these like Comic Con, all these conferences, making appearances and doing panel discussions. Yeah. Like they make all the Star Trek people make a ton of money just to show, That's just by showing up for a day or two at these conferences. But he it also he could write books and things like that. You know, like I I've noticed that the actors write kind of sequels, you know, other little subplots, mm-hmm. release it as books, and they do very well. Yeah, well, he one thing he was saying is he's he's a big sci-fi fan where he's like, you know, a lot of the actors are just actors, right? They don't care anything yeah. about sci-fi or Star Trek. It's just, you know, it was just a job. You know, he was talking to me about one time he um, was at a restaurant and you know, the guy who has a really deep voice who does those Allstate commercials. Yeah. The, the, the black guy. Yeah. Has a really deep voice. I forget his name, but he, um, he, he plays the president. He plays the president in 24. So they kind of look at each other. This is a few years ago. They're, they're looking at each other from across the restaurant, kind of with this, and they each recognize each other a little bit. And they got up to, to shake each other's hand. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Garrett reaches out and he's like, Mr. President? It's like, Ensign Kim. They <laughs> 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 just like shake hands, like kind of give a nod. So, um, oh, you know, I wanted to uh, you want to give a an Uber update. Yeah, go. So one thing I built for the for Uber, which I talked about before, so I won't go into the details, is I built this thing called the Differ. It's now a um, it's a public NPM module, Node module. It's open and, source. Yeah, open source. So it's like, it, I, I, I'm saying I built it with Guyon. Uh, Guyon helped me quite a bit on it, and um, it's pretty slick. It takes a, a a so if you have this really big JavaScript object, or it could be a small JavaScript object, but it really is useful when you have this really big, complicated JavaScript object, and maybe a few things change in it, and you want to find the diffs in it, and uh, this is what this will do it, and then you can patch the diffs and all that. So, you know, I, I initially, the, the reason we were building this is because we we're sending a huge amount of data from our dispatch servers down to um, our God view, and we we're sending it at a, very, at a very high frequency, you know, once every few seconds or four seconds or something, and so it just it, it just it was just killing Godview for to have to process like 35 40 megs of data um, so the diff the diffing made that uh, you know really works to solve that problem um, but last time I up there I just found out um, the mobile guys had realized that they were that were sending back back and forth these these fairly large messages we call them ping messages that have a lot of the state for the yeah. individual um, client or driver. And they realized that if they use the differ, so, so rather than sending the same message as what changed between the dispatch server and the, and, and the, and the mobile app that they will, and, and bandwidth fees alone, they'll save $300,000 a month in the U S bloody hell in just the U S $300,000 they'll save. And that, and, and we have huge costs, I think in countries like, uh, um, I think maybe they brought up France in particular. Probably because bandwidth's more expensive. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I didn't get into a big discussion about it. He said, "Yeah, in France and blah blah, really expensive. So it'll it'll be a lot more. We'll save a lot more. So, but but even just right now in the US, three hundred. Well, it's a lot like movie compression, isn't it? Where you have your base frame and then you just send your moving changed pixels. Yeah, that's yeah. what you're doing. Yeah. So it was really cool that you know. I mean, 
Amos, uh, he's my buddy at uh, at Uber. He runs the dispatch team, and he was the one who suggested that I turn it into an NPM module. He's like, why don't you just rather than just being this class or this file that's in this big, you know, directory of a big library directory for dispatch, is like roll it out, and make it a separate NPM module. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was like, ah, this is a pain. And I, I already, we already talked about that. Yeah. But the payoff is now we have this public module, and it's and and and, and just thinking of it as this sort of self standing. Uh, library now is has made it something that we're using yeah. to to great effect another part of the company. So I thought that was really mm, cool. Three hundred thousand. Cool. I was like, thank you and good night. I'll be in Barbados. <laughs> you yeah, can just send you, me my checks. Yeah, there. I was going to say you should <laughs> give a bit of cash to Jason. Yeah. But uh, Guyon too. Guyon obviously deserves his share. But uh, that was really cool though to see that happen. Um, it's an interesting concept. I mean. Can you get, um, you know, companies should have rewards for saving money as well as making money. Sure. It's in all amounts of the same thing. Was it, uh, was it uh, Benjamin Franklin, a famous line, a penny saved is a penny earned? Yeah. Or 300 saved is 300 earned? <laughs> <laughs> 300,000 saved is 300,000 earned. So, um, okay, one thing I wanted to tell you about, you might, you might find this... Uh, Interesting. So um, there's a site called Upstart. I emailed you the link to this. I don't know if you had a chance. Yeah, to look I did. At it. Yeah, it looked did interesting. You? So let's see if I can bring this. I'm trying to. You know what thing it sucks. I'm, I'm looking at my- the only thing. The only thing about it is so basically, Upstart is investing in people and investing in a share of their income. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I thought about it was, yeah, you know, when you're young, you just kind of go. You're very kind of idealistic. But like, let's say in 10 years' time, now you're making the big bucks and you've got this 20% tax on your income. Right. Well, did, well why don't you explain what it is fully? Because I don't know if people understand well, exactly. I mean, it's just – so rather than – so as – I think the vast majority of upstart participants are people who are going into college or going into yeah. graduate school. And they rather than taking out a loan – what they do is they put their profile out there and you can invest in them and then you get some percentage of their um, income income for 10 years. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. And so that's uh, once you leave college. Once you leave college. And I, I think you can actually, they have to make over a certain amount. Um, uh, right? But, but that, that's what I'm saying. So you leave college at, t- say, 20, what is it, 25? 20, 22. 22. Grad school, 25, maybe. Okay, so let's say 22. So... By the time you're, you know, 30, it's going to be slightly irritating to, like, keep on paying this 20% tax. Right. Whatever the percentage tax is. Right. I mean, I, I would find that annoying myself. But but I, you don't think that when you're 20. You, you're very idealistic. Well, you said that um, payments are waived in, in, in years in which the upstart is in school or earning less than 30000 Right. So if you never... You know, uh, rise above that level, then it's not much of a tax. That's it. But I, I did you ever bring this up as an idea? I felt I kind of remember you bringing suggesting something. No, like this, not. No. You know that was kind of funny though. Is is some of the upstarts? I was looking at some of them, and I was like, oh, I'd invest in that guy, and he's like, guys, already raised enough. You know, oh, right, right. like let's, let's see here. We, like people who I thought looked really good had already been had already yeah. raised enough. And then the people that I thought were kind of meh, I, I wasn't too excited about. So let's see here. Like, what makes you decide if someone's good or meh? 
I don't know. Let's go through. I tell you what. I'll read a couple for. for I'll, I'll read the the pitch line, and you tell me whether you would invest in them. Okay. Um. Okay. How about this one? Harvard MBA building a fashionable medical apparel company. Fig. It's a fig scrubs. So fashionable scrubs. No. Okay. She's funded. Um. Here's another one. Okay. Uh. Former mayoral. Candidate now pioneering digital advertising solutions in South Georgia. No, three math sounds okay. He's not funded. Let's see here. Princeton graduate, Columbia PhD candidate, building an online tutoring platform and and innovative science. No. Yeah, she's not funded. A Cornell University graduate building a platform to efficiently recycle, refurbish, and resell mobile phones in Brazil. No. He's funded. <laughs> <laughs> let me just let me just qualify by I'm going to say no to you everyone. You say no to everything. I just wouldn't. I wouldn't put money into this. Uh, it just tough. it just seems like not a, just from my perspective. I mean, obviously, it's great from their perspective. I would put money into this as a, in a Kickstarter way, not in a way of getting any kind of return. So if I if if it was just a gift, I would consider it. But as an investment, no. This guy, this is one that, because I like the, the idea, which is something I, I've brought up multiple times in the show, a guy named Ben Chabot Hanawell, University of Washington graduate 14. He says, Fulbright Scholar building a web-based fact-checking tool to report the truthfulness of politicians. Oh, see, that's, that's interesting. I see, part of, part of investing in these people would is also to share in the story. Like, but, but that's weird, like... I want to invest in that idea. I don't want to invest in the guy. Like, the, the. well, because you don't really because it, it it it's like it's not necessarily a company yet. He's he's that's this idea that may and things may shift and 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 say pivot quite a bit, right? You know. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's just saying what he wants to do. Maybe that's not what he ends up doing. But you know, I'm not saying you'd want to put like five thousand dollars down, but it'd be like it'd be fun to put like a hundred dollars. You know, kind of yeah. like the Kiva stuff. You yeah. know, where you. You're just participating in their story, you know? Yeah. Like, I helped that guy out. Like, I wonder how he's doing. Like, you probably forget about it in two years later. You go, like, I wonder what's going on with that guy. You I, know? I, think, I think I'd rather if it was, like, just Kickstarter for people. That's kind of what it is. Yeah, but uh, I, don't you get the money back? Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, Kickstarter in the sense that, well, in Kickstarter, you get, a lot of times you get something, right? Yeah. You'll get tickets to the show or you'll get a proto or first version of the product or access to the service, right? The like, Soylent stuff, like you, you, you bought, at my urging, you bought the $60 a week supply of Soylent? I've, no, in fact, I've bought, I've bought um, a week's supply and also a month's supply. Oh, you, you, you uh, up the ante. Yeah, I'm, I want to try, I want to see what happens for a month, yeah. Wow, look at you. What made you decide to, to push just it? Just wanted to see. Just wanted to see what it would be like on, you know, for a longer period than just, because the, the amount that we got would only last us like, you know, three days each. Well, yeah. So. I mean, I wanted to most. I mostly wanted to just try to taste, it, taste it. wise. Maybe try it a couple times to see how how I felt. It didn't after. get a. I mean, Gorka didn't give it a great review. Oh, they tried it. What they say? Well, they they just said it looks like <laughs> semen. <laughs> that's what they said. I mean, okay. That's not me saying that. That's what Gorka said. Yeah, well, what they say it tastes like. Um, they said didn't it, like it didn't taste particularly great, and, and they they, they just, weren't quite they, as they colorful kind of threw and it how away. it tasted. Yeah, <laughs> the description of how it tasted. <laughs> but um, you know, the the whole thing about it's delicious. That's what we'll find out. Huh? 
Well, um, I, I don't know. Well, you know, um, my buddy Phil, who I was almost going to... Who you were almost going to talk to, yeah. I was almost going to bring on to, uh, to co-host the show today. Um, he's doing the, uh, the four-hour body, the Tim Ferriss four-hour body. Oh, he is, yeah. He says it's working great. He's really? averaging losing half a pound a day. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, he said that. Well, you know, he also works out, but, um, you know, he's... He, it's it's kind of like a very strict paleo diet. Yeah, you know the paleo diet. Yeah. Um, and so basically, he's eating lean meats and vegetables mostly, and being you can eat beans. Well, you're gonna lose weight on that. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> so he says it's not fun. It's not a fun diet. But then there's one day a week where you just can eat whatever you want. Yeah. And you're supposed to eat a lot. Uh, but he says, yeah, it's it's. Uh, he says, you know, if you can stomach it for a couple weeks, even you know, really kickstart. Yeah. You know, especially if you just want to lose like ten pounds or something. Mm-hmm. You know that's a great, great way to go. But you know, I, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it that it, that it works. I mean, you know, the paleo diet is like that is is like that, except that you can also um, eat fruits. I think. Okay, I've got a link for you. All right. Did you see about um, GenCar.co? GenCar? No. What's GenCar.co? It is a multiplayer genetic algorithm 2D car, pub nub real time network. Yeah, I, well, I initially saw this single version, and then it became yeah. like a multiplayer yeah. version, where yeah. the cars try and go. It shows these these weird looking two dimensional cars going over this bumpy trail. Yeah, yeah, and if it fails, then it is that. Is that does that something we could do with the kids in uh, Catalyst? Yeah, I might be able to. Yeah, it might be a fun thing. Do they would think that would be? They would probably think that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. And you could you could explain to them kind of what a genetic algorithm is um, in very simple, high-level terms. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Yeah. So, you have like a little web interface where you can adjust yeah. this the all this stuff mutation rate and yeah. the, what is it, the mutation rate. And what, what other thing can you try? 5%. That's it? That's the only thing you can change? Oh, I don't know. But anyway, that's well. You know, I I, I built, I built a, a couple of really extensive genetic algorithms libraries. Oh yeah, and, you, you mentioned that, yeah. And uh, so I'm pretty familiar with how it works. That's one thing. Is, one thing I like to do is if there's if there's something mathematical that I understand, I want to understand. I, I'll build like a you know I'll build code to represent it. I'll yeah. Build like a library, and then I feel like I own the knowledge. Yeah. You know, you have you have you've written code that describes something. You pretty much remember it. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? I mean, it's like you've gotten inside the algorithm. And, yeah. um, you know, you might forget a few edge case things, but just generally speaking, you kind of own it. So, um, well, speaking of Catalyst. Yeah. Um, we did a little Catalyst session, impromptu Catalyst session. Oh, nice. So, <clears throat> so anyway, um, as I mentioned, uh, you know, in a previous show, that we're not going to do a uh, Catalyst over the summer. Yeah. Just one of the reasons was that um, I didn't have access to the uh, to the room we were renting over at the uh, at the church. Um, so and and plus I kind of needed a break. But Colby's just been going, you know, he's just been asking about it constantly. When can we do the catalyst, Dad? When is catalyst? Can we do catalyst? Can we do it like twice a week? Hey, Dad, what if we did catalyst Monday, Wednesday, Friday? You know, mm-hmm. just nonstop. So if, and then I was getting an email from a couple of the parents who. Um, of like Marco's mom and, and, and uh, in particular, you know, saying that they really want to get going on this again or do something, you know. And so uh, Sandy suggested that we just do like have like a few of the kids over and just for like an hour out to our place 
and just do something for you know an hour and a half, and then we'll just take them down. That we'll go swimming in the pool for a little bit, order pizza. And so that's what we did on Friday. Is your pool finished? Pool just was finished like a day or two before, and that day the and actually during this the, our little catalyst session, all the pool, pool furniture was delivered. So Sandy was down with all the guys who are delivering the furniture, unpacking unpacking it all. Yeah, in Jason's condos, the the pool has been a building site for the last four, four months or something. Yeah, every six months. So they just got it finished. That's great. Yeah, well, we had to go by the... Um, Sandy and I actually went and bought the pool furniture because there was a pool furniture committee, which... Oh, wow. <laughs> committee, meaning that they committed to something, but yeah. didn't do it. <laughs> I see. So, uh, so finally, I just said, you know what? I told the rest, because I've been on the board for a number of years. And the Homeowners Association board. So I just said, look, I'll, Sandy and I will do it. So we went up and bought <laughs> it and had delivered. So just in time. So anyway, we brought them over, brought the kids over. And, uh, you know, one thing that's funny, I think we mentioned that Marco, uh, that he's, it's Rich, he's Richard Feynman's grandson. Yeah. And I, 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 I asked Liam's dad, who helps out, who kind of, who, who always comes along and helps out. He's an astrophysicist who works at the Carnegie Institute, which is the Carnegie, the Carnegie Observatories right up here, right up the street. And, I go, Chris, I go, you know, he's Richard Feynman's grandson. He's like, yeah, man, it took everything I had not to geek out over that. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's pretty amazing. And uh, Now, did you um, work with the Mindstorms this session? Um, you know, the plan was to possibly do that. Um, I had all the Mindstorms out. Um, we had worked on it the last few times, last two or three sessions in the spring, and the kids liked it, and especially, you know, Liam and Colby and um, Riley and uh, Marco, who were going to be the, the kids. And, um, but I had, the, the, like, the day before, I had gotten Colby started on this program that I had read about called Kerbal Space Program. Mm. Have you heard of that? No, well, I, you sent me the link by mistake. It, yeah, it is unbelievable. Yeah, I was, I, I can't remember, I was thinking. Cool Kerbal Space Program? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like, think of like a Minecraft environment where, it's a little more limited, my, actually it's a lot more limited Minecraft in the sense of what, you're, what you can do, but they have all of these uh, components to build a rocket. And yeah. you're, the idea is to build a rocket and get it into orbit or eventually maybe to the moon or even to another planet. Yeah. But it's extremely difficult, and it's an accurate physics simulator. Wow! Um, so you can, like you can get different size liquid rockets or solid rockets, and different kinds of capsules and and fuel stages and and all this stuff. And and then you have to control the firing and like when like when a stage kind of blows off and over and you know make sure they don't overheat and all this kinds of stuff. And you have to like think about tra- the trajectory and trying to get into orbit and trying to get to a stable orbit and all this stuff. And it's not easy. Well, Colby, I said, Colby, come on, let me show this thing to you. He, so I, I hook him into it, and he's immediately obsessed. <laughs> I mean, just completely obsessed. And he's he's doing it nonstop. And so the next day rolls around, we're to Catalyst, and I knew I, there was no getting him away from that. And so as soon as Marco and Liam show up, he's like, check this out, you know. Yeah. And I had actually emailed the parents the day before about Kerbal Space Program because I had, a, I had the suspicion that that might be something I'd want to do. And sure enough, Marco had spent all, the time, all his time doing it as well. Right, okay. So we spent the whole session, uh, you know, each kid building their rockets and trying to get them into orbit and, and everything. And it's, um, you get a free version for about um, 20, I think it's 
I mean, you can get a free version, but you can pay for the, the full version for $23. And the full version has more components and a lot more things you can and, do. And um, did, did any of the kids get the, the ship into orbit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Colby got his into orbit the first... You know, I think Colby got it into orbit the second day, and now he's trying to land on the moon. That's so Which cool. is really tricky. I mean, it is really hard because then you have to plan out your um, your trajectories and you have to make sure you have enough fuel and it's balancing out the the the, the type of rocket you use the type of engines you use and also I mean it's it's not it's not easy it's not easy at all that sounds like a great simulation yeah and you have to really understand it and so Chris the Liam's dad the astrophysicist he um you know so he was kind of watching it as they were playing with it and he and I were talking a lot and just kind of letting, letting the kids play with stuff and uh, so he just sent me an email yesterday about how they they wouldn't but download the full version he's like this is amazing he's like it's unbelievable how realistic the physics simulator in this is he's like this is easily the best 25 dollars i've ever spent <laughs> yeah and with an exclamation point so he so that's a full endorsement from an astrophysicist mm-hmm. and he's like yeah we finally got it out of the atmosphere um but not into stable orbit so it fell back to earth but we forgot to put it parachute in the capsule Uh-oh. so houston we have a problem <laughs> oh, man. you know so you have these little creatures that instead of humans they're called kerbals and yeah that adds a little a little uh bit of color to it they're kind of they're it's they're kind of humorous like the, there's like a capsule cam you know kind of shows their faces <laughs> you know and they're like oh crap you know? so <laughs> it, it, it it's a little bit of humor that's good. funny so anyway if you have a kid or actually, even if you like this stuff yourself, I highly recommend it. I mean, there. I think I read about it initially on um, it was an article on NPR, I think, and they were talking about a lot of these JPL or NASA scientists were using were playing with it because you could experiment with things that were too expensive to experiment with in the real world. Wow. Yeah. So. And so, what's the domain? It's Ker- Kerbal Space Program. I'll put a link to it, but it's Kerbal K E R B A L. Okay, great. Yeah. So um, I think anyway. So I think we're gonna do like a session. I think we're gonna might try and keep it kind of weekly. Hmm. And it's like three or four kids who, you know, this small kind this of. This is four. the so this is the out over summer. You're doing this weekly. Yeah, it, and it'll just. Provide, it, I think we're just gonna do it on Friday nights. You know, we'll do like an hour and a half, and that'll kind of segue into being like a pool party. We take them down, they could swim for an hour, Friday and we, we order pizza and. You know, it's it's a lot of fun, and and it's going to be pretty laid back. We'll let the kids if they want to do mind storms or they want to do this stuff. That's great. Oh, but the other thing I want to talk about. Yeah. So the you you can do um, all these. They have, you can work out the equations to figure out what you know what what size engines you need and all these kinds of stuff based on weight and everything. And there's a whole wiki about all this stuff, and there's all these plugins and mods, and I mean it's. A, you know, it's a really big ecosystem. So I was, th- I was thinking, you know, it would be cool if we could kind of create little mini competitions with these kids and have them like, okay, you get one shot. So we have to do some basic calculations beforehand. If it wrecks, it wrecks. Like you can't just do trial and error, which is mm. what they do. Mm. And so it would kind of, as a way to teach them some basic physics equations. And, you know, but the part of the thing is, is like, do these kids really know what equations are? They're, you know, going into, Colby's going into fourth and Liam's oldest is going into sixth. So they're still pretty you know, young and, and immature mathematically. So, but you remember I told you about that, um, that app, that iPhone app, or as there's also an Android app called, um, um, Dragon Box. Yeah. Where it teaches you algebra, just starting out really simple and you, it's, it's a fun little game yeah, and it yeah. kind of becomes, you initially you're moving around like little icons of things and the icons start to look more like letters and it starts to look more like an equation. And pretty soon you're just 
you know, manipulating all these pretty complicated equations. So they came out. Well, anyway, the company that makes it called is called We Want to Know, I think. And it's based out of Norway, I think. And they came out with a new version called Dragon Box 12 Plus. So I have a lot more advanced stuff in it. Yeah. And so I, I bought that. It's like 10 bucks. And I and so I said, Colby, come here. <laughs> like this this I said, remember, let's see if we can do this. So he starts doing it. And I said, tell you what, Colby, if you can finish the first three chapters, each chapter has like, you know, 30 screens, then we'll we'll rent whatever movie you want. A movie he wanted to rent was um Wolverine Origins. Oh, yeah. And I kind of wanted to watch it too. So I'm like, Colby, hurry up, finish this. <laughs> like, so, but he finished it in like, you know, two 20 minute sessions or whatever. Yeah. And then I told him, I said, all right, if you get to level six, I'll take you whatever movie you want to see, which will probably be Superman or something. So I'm using the power of bribery. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> I'm not above bribery, just yeah. so you know, when it comes to kids. And, um, and then, the, and then, of course, the gamification. It works really, and it works really well. And I told him, I think I, I think I, I can't remember what I promised him. I said, if he gets to level seven, I'll take him to the movie and we'll get ice cream. Yeah. So I think we're great for that in the next day or two. But anyway, I figure if they, if he can get through that and he can understand what an equation is and variables and all the basic stuff, then we can, then we can work out simple physics equations to figure out like, well, how, you know, how much thrust do we need or how much, how big a rocket do we need or what's the weight and, you know, whatever. I'm going to have to look at what equations. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. So anyway. Well, I'll give you an update on that, see how that goes, but that's that's what's going on with that. So, any other links? Oh, I got a ton of links. Well, let's hear out for you. I've been uh, No, I just I just had, I was just going to say I had those business ideas. Let's hear your business ideas. Well, I just want to see what you think, whether you think it's a good idea or not. Okay. So, I don't know. Well, so, um, one of the things that Sarah and Shane did was they went to Knott's Brew Farm mm-hmm. with Jude, their little kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why, but as I was like lying there ill, I thought about this business idea for Knott's Brew Farm or for other other companies like that. So, you know, e-paper. Mm-hmm. Okay. So imagine on every seat, at the back of every seat, there's an e-paper, like a little piece of e-paper. And it says sponsored by Jason Roberts. Mm-hmm. So you can sponsor it for a day. You can sponsor that seat for a day. Okay. And if you sponsor that seat for a day, then you can basically go to the front of the queue to sponsor that seat. So th- imagine that for all the different seats that they have in the park. So they could like, uh, individuals could sponsor seats for the day or families could sponsor little part of the carts. And what it made me realize is it's kind of like SaaS subscription as a service. Well, it's like, it's like fun as a service or something like a membership. that. Membership, you, you buy a membership. Too. Yeah, so you buy, buy a membership. And, and that, so I thought that was kind of interesting in its own right because they it's basically creating money out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like double selling seats. Okay. Um, but then on top of that made me think about this, you know, subscription concept. It could work for lots of different businesses, like subscriptions for real world businesses like Amazon do that, you know? Well, they do that for theme parks. They do uh, like, you can buy like a summer pass. Right. Right. Which is the same thing. So yeah, they, I mean, stuff like that already exists in, at least in theme parks. I think yeah. universal studios, I know Six Flags. I mean, I, I, I think even I'm pretty sure that uh, Disneyland has. Well, the summer pass was, is different to, um, say, for example, a firm of solicitors actually sponsoring the first half of a of of a, like the first carriage, so that their firm can go in and then they go straight to the straight to the front. Of yeah, the line okay. Every, you right. know what I'm saying? And it says sponsored by such and such solicitors or whatever. That's a, that's a bit of a difference. Okay, but that's different. So there's two there's two different things you're talking about. They're sponsoring a seat, and because something you emailed me about before was creating subscription memberships to 
Yeah, well, it's, yeah, exactly. So, well, the, the sponsorship, the subscription membership thing came out of the spons- this sponsorship idea. Okay. So, so because, for example, you could, you could, you could, um, let's say you, you wanted to buy a seat because you always went there, you know, once a month or once every few months. You could subscribe to that. You could subscribe to the sponsorship of that seat. Um, but then just made me think about other things, just like, I don't know, in restaurants, you could have a, you could, you could subscribe to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And then, if you went in, um, it would uh, you'd be able to spend the money that you'd spent, and if you didn't go in, it would just accrue up. But that could work well for a company, for example. Say, let's say Idea Lab. One thing Idea Lab does is they'll always every day they'll bring in lunch from a different restaurant mm-hmm. around. Mm-hmm. Well, they could do it the other way around, where they could kind of subscribe to restaurants all around Pasadena, subscribe one meal a week, and then there could be a pool of uh, tickets available for staff to take every day. Yeah. To go out and have some lunch. Yeah, I mean that would work well for as a perk for employees. Yeah. Um, you know, like Uber, Uber is working, I think, in that direction of 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 trying to push Uber as a perk for companies. Oh right, yeah, right. Which would make a lot of sense, especially in a lot of these cities. You mm. know. Um, uh, yeah, you know, I could see like if you have restaurants, if you if you said, all right, well, even apart from the whole company perk approach but as an individual approach if you say well i eat out a lot and maybe that there are a lot of or a lot you get a lot of these restaurants to sign up as a group and they're like a like a diners club kind of thing right Hmm. and you say which i think there was a credit card called there's a credit card called diners club i don't know i know my dad used to have on that and i don't know how that worked exactly i imagine you get some kind of a discount or something but yeah so if you wouldn't eat any of these restaurants in pasadena for instance that you would and you, you ate, if you ate out more than a certain amount, you'd save a lot of money. But if you didn't, it probably would cost you money. Yeah. So if the right, if you were, if it worked the right way, there'd be some people who would, who would probably clean up on it. But most people would probably not go out as much as they thought they were going to go out. You know, it's the, the eyes are bigger in their stomach sort of yeah. thing. And that's how it works at um, the uh, the health club I belong to at Twenty Four Fitness here. I mean, it's a national chains, but they have a, a nice one nearby and they have a kids club there where you can take the kids at daycare they call it kids club a daycare center so when i go i'll take take the kids you know sometimes it's all three of them sometimes just one or two of them depending on who wants to go and i'll check them in and they can go play this you play on a, per, on a per month basis. yeah yeah okay and so the way it would work it, it started out working that you would just pay two dollars for two hours mm. which is a huge deal then it went up to three and then it went up to four and now i think it's up to five actually um, far faster than inflation, that's for sure. But what they what they realized, I guess, uh, I think after they'd raised it to three dollars an hour, that they said, you know, what we're going to do is you can buy a membership for twenty dollars a month, and you can bring your kid as much as you want. Mm. Which I signed up for because, and so I cleaned up on that for like a year and a half because I was bringing most most all three kids probably anywhere from four to six days a week. Mm-hmm. You know. And not only because I, I wanted to go to gym, work out, play basketball, that kind of stuff, but I gave gave Sandy a break. But as the kids got older, um, Sandy didn't need a break as much because the kids are more self-sufficient. You know, they don't need, I mean, when they get to like five, six, when they get to five, six, seven, that's much better than two, three, four. Two, three, four, they're exhausting. Um, you know, and if Colby now wants to stay home and, and, and play Kerbal Space Program, for it's like fine. You know, Colby's set. Doesn't, yeah. Sandy doesn't care. She's not like, get these kids out of here, you know? So, but now I probably lose money on it. Mm. 
because I probably on average take two kids and I go fewer times a week, unfortunately, because of all the kids activities. Mm. But it's still worth it for me to pay it just because of the convenience of having the membership because I don't have to go in and go out to the register and buy two kid passes and it just saves me. Yeah five minutes at least so they're just they're just mopping up like the the potential money yeah well it's just like it's like most of these gyms the gyms if if gyms charged people when they came in on a per usage basis Mm. they would get killed you know because people get on this big i'm gonna go to the gym kick and get all excited then after two three months it kind of peters out but if you get people to sign up then and even if it's not that much you have a huge number of people who are paying a monthly fee and, and almost never going yeah. Um. And but they don't want to. They don't want to cancel their membership because they're thinking. But I. I. I want to get back into it. Like by canceling is like admitting that you're not going to work out anymore. You know. So I'm thinking Airbnb, but for subscrip subscriptions. So you like stuff in the real world subscriptions, like a a marketplace to enable people to add subscriptions to their stuff. So you. So you would. You would create like a marketplace or, or subscription facilitation yeah. company. So you would make it easy for um, all these. So like you said, all right, I'm going to create the Pasadena, you know, diners club. Yeah. Right? right. So what you do is you have a salesperson go out and go to every single restaurant and you can sign them up through like a, you know, a web app or a little mobile app. I guess it, I guess it does work in like, so it works on a niche by niche basis. So you could say, Restaurant subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking. Yeah. yeah. And so you have all the infrastructure that takes care of that. Mm-hmm. And um, whenever somebody, um, you know, comes in and, 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 and does something, if they, they maybe, I don't know if you, I don't know how hard it would be to make specific credit cards or maybe they just use it to pay with their mobile phone or some way to make it really easy for them to process the transaction. Well, it's like, I mean, I was thinking that the money was just in their bank, like every, as the subscription happened. It was like sucked up into that restaurant's bank. They already kind of had the money in some kind of escrow account, and then we. Well, why would I? Why would I? As a why would as a consumer would I want to do that? Why would I want to tie up my money? Um, because that's the discounts that we're going to give you. So you're going to get you're going to get like a twenty percent discount with this restaurant if you subscribe. So you could buy like you've got twenty percent off anything. Yeah, I, I think I don't think you'd have to put money and hold, hold on to their money, which. I think mean, most people are going to want to do yeah. pay up front, like like, and I also think that then of course you have to. I I would probably say, look, you pay us, you know, thirty dollars or fifty dollars a month. If you do, if you you know, depending on we have different membership levels, and then certain membership levels, like you get, uh, you know, a twenty percent discount or a thirty percent or fifty percent discount or whatever, so that for people who eat out a lot, it would it would work. They end up doing well, but most people would probably fall below that line and not probably eat out as much as they thought they would. I see. Just do it that way. Oh yeah. So you'll you'll yeah, so that, that is a different thing that was. I mean that's why all these that's why all these gyms do it this way. You know, yeah. they make money um by charging a monthly fee, knowing that if you know they, they figure out how much do we charge based on how much people will come, knowing that people when they first join will come a lot for the first three or four weeks and they fall off. Well, what about if it was like an HSA style concept? So money was taken out and put in. But you well, can explain get what HSA people don't know. So HSA is like a health health account, health savings account. health savings account where you save money, which is actually your money, but it's kind of you know targeted towards you spending on health. But you could you could in fact put it back out of that account if you wanted to. How about something like that where 
it was an HSA style sa- savings accountish, and mm. the money was taken, and it was available for you to pull back out. But it was in the system, and then once it's in the system, you get really great discounts. So, in other words, just that thing of getting the money rather than the other, you know, the other thing of like the Diners Club. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons that you have to have money in an account for an HSA is you're kind of like your own insurance company. So if you have to go in and get an operation, your knee surgery, get a car accident, and you have a $10,000, $20,000 bill, you have to cover a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have that money in the bank, you're not really having insurance. And if you don't have money uh, available credit, mm-hmm. you don't have cash in your savings account, your regular savings account, then you're, um, you're not able to pay the bills. And, and that's one thing that... Uh, hospitals are going to be concerned about. It's like, well, we're, you know, they always check, do you have insurance? Right. Right. So that's why like you have to in some ways demonstrate, yes, I'm covered. So whatever you need to do to to make me better, I can pay for it. So, but for, so, but that's at a whole larger scale of money. So I don't think you need to do that when it comes to dining because the money, you don't really, it's like, oh, I don't know if you're able to pay your $70 you know, bill for dinner. (laughs) But but isn't the bit, isn't the bit like from a business perspective, if we have money in the account, it's better than not having money in the account, right? Um, from the company standpoint? Yeah, from, from the company standpoint. So, yeah, so sure. therefore, we'll give, lo- we'll give a lot of incentives. We'll give a 35% discount. I, I, I think you'd probably, I think you could do better um, by doing the, uh, doing what we talked about, the monthly and annual membership. Okay, fair enough. I mean, remember how Jason Cohen at Microcraft talked about the importance of the annual membership, how yeah. that just was huge. He, he I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure there's a video of it, and the notes are. I know there the notes from Microconf 2013 are on there about that talk. I, if there's one talk you listen to, yeah, and that's I, something that I don't do at Plugio that I should do. But the reason, one of the reasons why I don't do the annual membership is I'm just scared because of the, um, you know, what Twitter may do or something like that. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, you're in a precarious situation. So, um, be dependent on the platform for sure. But so I would say, you you would ultimately. Ha- solve the problem that you're talking about. You ultimately get that benefit by doing uh, an annual membership, which is would fall in line. Do you want to do a, a monthly twenty dollar a month, or let's say it's a say it's a monthly you know fifty dollar a month membership to the Diners Club, the yeah. Passing Diners Club, or you could pay the five hundred dollars a year. So you're going to save a hundred dollars a year, and you know, but then of course you get that money in up front, and we've talked about as, as Jason Cohen talks about. I think that would work. All right. Well, anyway, that was that idea. So are you going to do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one, though. I like that. I like it particularly for um, <laughs> particularly for dining, but I think you could do it for lots of things. You could do it for, like, you know what you could do it for? You could do it for, like, outdoor activities. Mm-hmm. Kayaking, rock climbing, um, things that cost money to be involved in, CrossFit, whatever. Like, I'm going to be, I'm going to join the uh, the fitness club, right? So, I get all these discounts on all these kind of but it sounds outgoing. Like your idea things. sounds like Groupon. It's the, the way you describe it sounds like group one. That's not what I meant. Oh, really? But yeah. it's just a subscription. It's just a, it's, all I'm talking about is a subscription, which okay. is what you're talking about. Yep. You know, so it's like all these things that you could do, all these things, you can get a, you can get a significant discount on anything you do mm. by just paying a monthly fee. But then you pay, you know, these companies will ultimately make more money because, you know, people, they'll make money because more people probably try it and do it. But people also will not go often as, as they say they're going to go. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so, cool. all right. Well, um, uh, that's that. So, have you got any other links? Let's see. Um, 
Yeah. Oh, you know, speaking of TV shows, uh, uh, or, you know, we were talking about World War Z earlier. The, um, you know, we watched the rest of, uh, what was that? The Kevin Spacey House of Cards. Oh, the, 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 the full season. Yeah. It's, it's only 13 episodes. Uh, highly recommended. As, as is it worth Netflix subscription? How much is a Netflix subscription? Eight bucks a month? I think eight bucks a month, yeah. I, well, I would anyway because, yeah. I mean, and of course, Netflix has lots of other stuff, but the, that that was fantastic. House of Cards was fantastic. Um, so anyway, we finished that up and we're, Sandy and we're like, well, what the hell are we going to watch now? Yeah. <laughs> right? So we she started recording Defiance, which huh. is on, it's like a sci-fi, you know, original series. And it's okay but it's funny i it's it's sort of like I, I the way i described it i said this is like the show gilmore girls with aliens wow <laughs> and maybe and guns aliens and guns that's weird and it's so it's kind of like you remember gilmore girls Do you remember that show remind me well it's like a it's like a small town in sort of north the in, in, in new england and it's a lot of interpersonal drama and a lot of cute witty banter and and this is defiance is a town and so this is after some alien race or race has come and they terraform earth and there's all these and there's this it's a sort of post-apocalyptic world but there's this one small you know town where they've kind of created and it's a bunch of aliens that are all living together all eight races of aliens, but of course these interpersonal dra- mm. dramas. Of course, people are being getting killed because there's it's a dangerous world. But it's the funniest. It's, it's, it's like Gilmore weird. Girls with aliens. Um, I don't know. I give it a I give it a six out of ten. You know, it's all right. Well, I've been getting into a show called The Good Wife. I heard a, that was really good. A Good Wife, which is basically it's a law show about Chicago. But that's maybe that's a bit of a weird way to describe it. So the way that it starts off is Peter Florek. You know, you know, Big from Sex and the City. Mr. Yeah. Big. Okay. Yeah. So he's like the state's DA, right? Okay. And his wife is Alicia, and mm-hmm. she's the good wife. So what? The way it oh, starts. Oh wait, she. That's uh, Juliana Margulies from ER. Yeah, possibly. Right. I, I don't, I'm not sure, but anyway. So the way that it starts off is he is basically resigning from the position of DA because he's been with a prostitute 18 times. And his wife kind of knows about it. It's all leaked out in the press, but she's kind of staying with him, even though he's like totally cheated on her and been, yeah. been disgusting. And um, but so now he's in prison, and she starts off. She's decided, right? I'm going to become. I'm going to going to continue with my career. So she starts off as a junior associate lawyer. Okay. So she is um, do, doing cases, and it's it. I it's just you know you know um, Ridley Scott. Yeah, from uh, he, Elliot Scott did Gladiator and Alien and Aliens. And- but the pr- producer, I mean, a producer of the show. So it's really, really good. And it's so deep and layered and there's so many different plot plot twists. It's like, you, what do you call it? Myth arc and uh, Monster of the arc. Week. Well, that like, was in, uh, in, yeah. that was the way they did in X-Files. So that, so there's there's like, I don't know, about seven or eight different myth arc things going through the whole series, so right? big arcs, there's big story arcs. There, that's that's story a better way of describing story. Yeah, really intricate story arcs. But then each episode as well um, g- goes into v- a lot of detail about the law. And it's, it's quite interesting to see, you know, I-, I don't know whether it's real, but the way that they present it, it's very interesting to see how the law can, oh, no, oh, this is the, oh, no, now it's this. Oh, no, now it's this. Right. So it's, yeah, it's a really, really good show. And um, it, cool. it gets better by seeing it. And they do another, another kind of geeky, quirky thing that they do is in season one, every episode name has one word. And in season two, every episode name has two words. 
season three has three woods so it, it, just, just geeky things oh, like that yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, i like that's cute i'd check it out well ridley scott generally does really high quality stuff you know he produced he and his brother uh produced uh numbers oh right right yeah. which was i thought was really well done um his brother committed suicide though yeah, I don't remember his. I mean, other last name is Scott, but I don't remember his first name. But he uh, he committed. Their production company is called Scott Free. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The uh, oh, I bring it up. There's one other thing that was related to this that I wanted to bring. Up. I just saw a link to it. Oh, on the whole TV show thing, Through the Wormhole is back on. Do you remember oh. you mentioning Through the Wormhole? No, no, totally. It's a science show that comes on. I think it's on the Science Channel, either Discovery or Science Channel. I think, and it's hosted by Morgan Freeman. And, you know, the, like the last show was on w- what would happen if a neutron star, sort of a rogue neutron star came into our solar system and started ripping plants apart and we had to leave. Like, how would we do it? What would happen? Or one was talking about like the next this, this, this show is coming on tomorrow night is about will we be able to uh, sort of scan and read our brains? Our brains can be able to be hacked, not only read, but then manipulated. And the one from like, I think two weeks ago that I watched was about um, manipulating our DNA so that you could have same sex couples actually being able to give their DNA to create new life, you know, and what happens to the disappearing Y chromosome over time, because over, over time, the Y chromosome is apparently getting smaller. And, you know, over so many millions of years, it may just all disappear and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's fascinating. I mean, they do great stuff. So I highly suggest through the wormhole if you like hmm. like the science stuff. So anyway, enough about uh, TV shows. <clears throat> Let's see. Um, let me get into. Oh, one thing I want to bring up before I forget. Um, I just saw a note about it. So there was uh, there was some <laughs> there was some conversation on Twitter about what we say at the in the introduction of the show. Oh okay. yeah. And uh, someone says. Someone thought it said this show is stupid. This show is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, and uh, Rob Walling corrected. It was Christopher Engelhart was one of the people who had um, asked about. It. He uh, Christopher did the notes for. He did those amazing notes for Microconf. Yep. You remember that? So he anyway. So for anyone who's wondering what the little girls are saying, little girls are my two daughters, Izzy and Ari, and that was like two years ago when they were like three and five. And they're saying this show is distributed by SoundCloud.com. Maybe we should do another recording <laughs> of them now, little. Yeah, we could. Although I kind of like it; it's pretty cute. I got an update from uh, Aaron Knight about Phrase Mix. Go. Aaron's been a longtime listener of yep. the show, and um, he said that uh, I had the notes here, but I, I can't remember. But I think he's making he 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 gave me um permission to give the numbers but he's making i think he said between 300 and 500 dollars a month mm, that's uh, wow and phrase mix what it does is it it's like a subscription service that I, that for people learning english and I, I say wow because because that's you know that's not a lot he's been working on it for a long time and it really goes to show you you know subscription businesses can be difficult and take a long time yeah so he was asking me what what i thought he should do he wanted our feedback uh, and I and uh, so what one thing I would say is I would go and read all the notes from Microconf mm, 2013. There's nothing that Justin and I can say here that's going to have near that kind of impact um, and, and, and watch whatever videos you can. I mean, there were there's so much good stuff. I mean, I think in, I think in particular Jason Cohen's about subscriptions. I think there was an email list courses, email. Um, um, is that what you call them? Just email courses. 
Drip, with, drip uh, campaigns. Yeah, drip campaigns. Like Rob was talking a lot about that, and also um, Patrick McKenzie. I mean, these are the kind of tactical things that MicroConf will teach you that can have that you can implement and have or can have very tangible and immediate results. And yeah. that, those are the kind of things you need to pay attention to. So yeah, go to. Um, I think if you just search for, I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put a, I'll, I'll put a link to the. Uh, in, in the show notes, but you can always probably just do a search for 2013 microconf notes and yeah. it'll probably pretty be pretty easy to find. Um, oh, you know, um, another thing that um, came up that was uh, my, my older brother, Jay, uh, <laughs> who we had on maybe a year and a half ago about the Fukushima incident. Cause so Jay was a nuclear submarine officer in the Navy and he, yep. he was one of the guys in charge of the nuclear reactor on the sub. And later he ran safety simulations for the, for a nuclear, for a, a um, this big, um, I don't know what you call it, commercial or, uh, I don't know, like a utility what nuclear reactor. What does he do now? Well, now he's a software developer. He runs, okay. but right. he, um, you know, I guess for the money is right. Yeah. Uh, but for a long time and he, he, he worked for this, uh, the Southern company, which is a utility, um, so that's what we had him. We came on and talked about the Fukushima stuff because he talk. He could. He was someone who actually could talk about the safety of nuclear reactors yeah. since he yeah. ran simulations on that and worked for one. And it also turns out his his wife and son were in Japan when the Fukushima incident was happening. So and his mm-hmm. wife is Japanese. So he's <laughs> had a lot to say about it. Yeah. So if you're interested, in that, go back and, uh, and and look for the show. I don't know what number it is, but uh, particularly interesting. But so anyway, Jay before he went to the Navy. Right, or actually, actually, it's kind of different. So he, at a high school, he went, he dropped out of high school and went into the Marine Corps. And then after Marine Corps, he went, he went and went to, he, he, uh, before he was in the Marine Corps, he got out and went and got a degree in physics. And then he went into, the, became a nuclear engineer. So, but anyway, so he was a Marine back in the late 70s, early 80s. And somehow he happened to read this article about this serial killer by the name of Randy Kraft who may be one of the most prolific serial killers in our country's history. He may have killed someone like 60, 70 people. And one particular target for him were Marines. Hmm. And like, he really likes, like, that is a bizarre group of people to target. Like, I'm going to target Marines, Navy SEALs, and, and Ultimate Fighting Challenge fighters. So like, like hmm. what? who are the most dangerous people to hunt, hmm. right? So what this guy would do is he would um, drug them. Now they would put like something in there, and he put a, he put like some kind of a, a Mickey or something in their beer at, a, at like a bar or something. They'd kind of pass out. He'd act like his buddy, like I'm gonna take them home. He would take them back to his lair and um, and torture them and mutilate them and murder them over a period of days. Nice. Yeah. Turns out Jay realized that he met this guy and was almost a victim. Oh my god. Yeah. He said he said he remembers the whole. So he told me the whole scenario. So he wrote a big uh he wrote initially wrote a big blog article about it because he just freaked him out because he remembers this guy he said this guy was like he had stopped but where did it come what made him think of this okay so the guy said that, that this randy i don't he, i think he just happened to write an article it's just some article came out about this serial killer it's just yeah i don't know and they said that he was active in the san diego area and he was targeting marines and my brother thought, that was really weird you know marine like just stuck to him he's like wait a minute i was stationed at camp, camp Pendleton in San Diego, 
during that time, late 70s and 80s. Mm. And then he remembers that he met him, that my brother was, he, had, he was on leave. He took off uh, on, on, on his motorcycle and then rode up the coast a little bit and stopped at an area where, you know, you kind of, you can kind of pull off and there's like a little, you know, hotel, little few restaurants. And like, there's an area where people can park to go to the beach. And he was just sitting on his motorcycle, just staring out at the ocean, trying to, I think he was just kind of figuring out where he was going to ride his motorcycle to, just looking at the surf. And this guy kind of walks up to him and says, Hey, how's it going? It's like beautiful. Isn't it? Uh, and Jay's like, yeah. So they get into this really deep, well, first they just start talking. There's this really interesting conversation. This guy's this really sharp guy and really kind of a entertaining person to talk to and so they have this great conversation and uh and then and then the guy's like hey he's like you know if you want he's like i got some really good um uh you know uh beer up in my uh hotel room you want to go up and we'll just go sit out and, and have a few beers and keep talking and jay's like yeah sounds good right and so he goes up there parks you know follows the guy the guy has a car he follows the guy up they go up to the hotel room and they're sitting there and they're just sitting there um and just talking about everything and um and, uh, and Jay says, you know, and he gives him this beer, an open beer, right? Kind of opens it and hands it to him, you know, after opens it and he hands it, you know, he doesn't see him open it, right? Doesn't recur to him. And, uh, the guy starts talking about some fair, fairly strange things. I'm going to let, when his article comes out, I'll, I'll bring up someone to give the whole story away, but yeah. yeah, it goes on from there and he just escaped with his life, but he kind of wrote it off. Didn't really didn't realize what what he had almost escaped. And but from. so now, did did he was he drugged? Yeah. So he was drugged. Yeah, he said he almost didn't get out of there, and he almost and he said the rest of the day was a blackout for him. Blumenek. So I so he told me he wrote he wrote this. It was very it was kind of a literary uh, very literary description of a story yeah. or li- literary storytelling. And I was like, you know, Jay, you should um, you should try and submit this to like the New Yorker or Harper's or one of these magazines. Yeah. Um, I mean, get this published, you know, more than just a blog article. And uh, he was like, well, how do I do that? And so I just went to Google how to submit a story to an article. <laughs> and I sent him a link. I said, this sounds like a good description. And so it turns out that he um, uh, he submitted, he got in contact with the Orange County, this Orange County Register, one of the Orange County newspapers. And um, the, uh, and they, they uh, ended up, um, they ended up paying him like $2,000 for the article. Oh, wow. And, they they worked with the editor really worked with them and they cut this thing down and edited the whole thing up and uh, it's gonna be published in October. And that's kind that's of a great. big deal. So it's kind of crazy. I was like, you know, you could almost make a movie out of that. Yeah. You know, kind of an independent, like a very creepy. I was telling me this would almost be a really good um, because of the sort of mind games. He said this guy had the most was the most charismatic person to this day he's ever met. He's like you, he could almost not pull himself away. Wow. He was like that. That psychologically powerful so charismatic like he's, he's just he's like i just love this guy he was just so cool so interesting that's crazy yeah and uh yeah and so this guy apparently would was from canada or something or oh no he wasn't good he told he's from canada he would come down and and uh and um you know just for warm weather and and uh whatever for warm weather and kill some marines warm bodies <laughs> Yeah. So well, actually, anyway, he was kind of, he said it really affected. He, cause so there was a number of days where he, Jay kept, you know, you know, texting me on Skype, hitting me on Skype. Cause he, he just took a while to kind of, when you come to terms that you realize what, what how close he was to what death and what actually happened there. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, as part of that, you said that, um, 
you told you, you you googled something for Jay, like something obvious, right? Yeah. Have you heard of that website? Let me Google that. Please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have that. I, I I did that once to a friend. It's kind of a snarky <laughs> yeah. thing to do. It's pretty smart. Let me Google it. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. U- Udi sends me a few of those. <laughs> Every once in a while, when you ask <laughs> yeah. him something, yeah. clever. let me Google that for you. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. It's just amazing how powerful Google is. So speaking of power. Um, there was an article talk. I, I, I didn't really get to see it. Actually, it was an article. It was more of a demonstration of combining Google Glass with Tesla. Right. Did you see that? No. It popped up. So they were talking. I mean, it was basically just a, it looked like a demonstration, which showed like an overlay of like on your Google Glass, like, you know, how much charge you had left or, yeah. you know, different things like that. You know, but it was really kind of interesting. So the, um, you know, that guy, Michael Hastings, he's a reporter. He wrote a big article he, who died. Uh, week or week and a half ago. No, no. I, I sorry, I must have missed that. Yeah. One. I was so, Ill. so Michael Hastings wrote this. He's he's best known for an article that he wrote about General McChrystal, who was then like the um, in charge of uh, Afghanistan. He was running the operations, right? Yeah. And uh, apparently, McChrystal and his staff members were we thought they were off the record, or maybe agreed to off the record, and they basically they were talking a lot of trash about the Obama administration and the policies there and everything like that so he uh and uh michael hastings pretty much wrote about all this stuff mm. and as a result mccrystal lost his job mm. i mean obama the obama administration claims that well it wasn't because of the article but everybody knows it was yeah it was like two weeks later was that stepped down or a week later was that stepped yeah. down um because it was just too embarrassing for the administration to have their their big general just t- talk about how stupid all the ideas were or whatever right so so that's what he was known. He, 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 so he was known for that. And so he was this really sort of hard. Why did he die? Muckraking. What? Well, so what happened? The, the, what, so apparently he, at 430 in the morning, he, after coming back from, I guess it might've been like a late night showing of uh, Jeremy Scahill's new mo- uh, documentary, uh, Dirty Wars, about all of the um, special operations um, raids that are, and, 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 and killings that are going on. So, and, and Jerry Scahill's another big, um, uh, sort of investigative journalist. Yeah. He's the one who wrote the first uh, book on Blackwater, yeah. talking about how the Blackwater Mercenary Company was operating in um, Iraq. Anyway, so he's coming back at 4.30 in the morning. Michael Hastings driving back at 4.30 in the morning. Apparently, there, there's, uh, there are um, traffic cameras that caught him you know, rushing to a red light at 4.30 in the morning at 125 miles an hour in some suburban area in... Uh, some part of LA, and he wrecked into a tree going 125 miles an hour, and exploded, and burnt to a crisp and died. That seems weird. Yeah, well, it's weird. It is weird. And what went even weirder was is that um, he had just sent an email like an hour or two before that to WikiLeaks to the WikiLeaks, you know, one of their top people saying that he was being investigated by the FBI. He thought he was being investigated by the FBI and he sent an email an hour right around that time too to a bunch of friends saying he was going off the grid because he was onto a big story about the uh, CIA and NSA. Oh my God. So you can imagine this conspiracy theories. Yeah. Everybody's like, everybody's going through all this, you know, speculation about what happened. And what was really interesting is Richard Clark, who used to be like one of the national director of national security or advisor of national security, the president and, and to, to during the Bush administration, he, um, he was saying that the NSA and uh, that it is possible to hack into moving cars, that you can actually take control of a moving car 
if it's braking system, it's steering, it's accelerator, it's light, everything. Depending on the car. Yeah, um, the ones that the computer control cars, yeah. right? He's saying he's like he's he what thing he says like he's I spent most of my life debunking conspiracy theories, but you can't debunk you can't knock a conspiracy theory now until you can prove that it's not possible. He's like so, you know. And it, what, was, what was really interesting though is that there were um, there was a study done at I, I think it was like I can't remember two universities or like University of San Diego and some other university, and they actually went and tried to do this like. To hack into you know cars, take control of them. It was a stationary car, yeah. kind of upheld. Like, can we turn on the brakes? Can we hack into stuff? And it's possible to those things. They said they said in regards to the Michael Hastings that if that's how Michael Hastings died, you know, would it be possible for you know this moving car for for you know let's just say that you know some rogue you know deep dark intelligence agency took control of the uh, the car and and did that? They said that <laughs> they view that as extreme, highly unlikely because of how hard it is to do. You know, but but what is really interesting is that they're saying it is very possible to do that. All those things. He's like, we were able to take control of all aspects of the car, and they could control. They could get control externally through um, all kind, not only through direct connections to the car, but also through Wi-Fi and, and other types of <laughs> control. I mean, it was it's pretty amazing. I'll put the there's a there's a big story, st- uh, thing in PC Magazine about That's it, crazy. and there was a link to the to the. Um, to the study. So, regards to the whole Michael Hastings thing, I mean, obviously, my view is that's pretty unlikely that that's what happened just because of how hard it would be. Because, like, it seems like it'd be easier ways to knock off a yeah. problematic journalist if there was some, you know, group but of people. But it's interesting to know that that's possible. Yeah, it is but, possible. But with a Tesla, you would have thought it would be even, I mean, even more possible. Yeah, well, they said that, you know, a lot of the motor cars, I mean, even though the, the, the Tesla's is electric, it doesn't, it probably doesn't make it. Well, everything is the electric so has nothing to do. Yeah, the electric, the, the the fact that it's electrically power, electric use electricity power is not the thing that makes it hackable. It's that their computers that control every aspect. Everything, but all modern cars are like that. Yeah, you buy a new Mercedes or Audi or Nissan or whatever. Jeez. I mean, everything's computer controlled. What did you think about the ninety second battery but, change on the Tesla? But but one thing I want to say about but the thing about the that that, that is different about the Tesla is that it downloads stuff every night. Yeah. This, or not every night, but frequently it'll update itself. It's like your Chrome browser. Yeah, like you can update. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, if there's, you're going to have to have really good hardening of these systems, of these cars. Because if people realize that you can hack into cars and you could actually, because obviously it's not like, well, I just, you know, stole some money in your bank account. I usually, you know, I, even if I was just like some dumb kid messing around, I, you could kill somebody. But couldn't it be an aftermarket where you could, where I could install my virus checker into the Tesla? So... People could sell software for like a hundred, you know, or not, I don't know, ten grand or something. It's like a bar, you know, that, that's Tesla safety fire. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I think that I think when you're talking about what's at risk and how specific every compu- every manufacturer's computer systems are, that they're going to have to harden harden the systems themselves, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a real selling point at some point. It's, you know, I mean. This is right now real under the radar. Most people don't. But who's possible. to say that Tesla is, doesn't suffer from the same fate that um, you know Google and Facebook do about NSA kind of intercepts or whatever? Like maybe there could be some government code put in there, and Tesla can't do anything about it. Yeah, that's, well, there's no there's no telling if things are tops if everything is classified and under penalty of you know law that if you leak that 
that you do know about it, then yeah, then you wouldn't know about. It. I mean, but what's actually interesting is that there's this whole new. Um, there's a big article on Wired about this this month. Uh, it, it was talking about um, how, in addition to NSA, Keith Alexander, who's the director of the NSA, he also is in charge of two other um, departments. One is called Cybercom, which is like our offensive cyber, our, our, our offensive cyber unit, and they've they've gotten this huge new budget, and they're the ones I think who. who or it's believed to be we're, in, we're the one coordinating in charge of uh, the creation of Stuxnet and Flame and those mm. things that took down the Iranian nuclear reactors. It was like, you know, all the antivirus companies that started discovering this were just like, this is by far the most sophisticated, you know, type of Trojan virus that they've ever seen. It was unbelievably sophisticated. And and and, um, and, and I, I guess it's believed that it was... I think New York Times came out about this. I mean, it's like the, that it was created, the U.S., we created in conjunction with uh, Mossad, and it was most likely, you know, Cybercom. Mm. So, again, I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's just a pure conspiracy theory to believe that Cybercom, you know, was it would created something that, you know, killed Michael Hastings. What's but Cybercom? just know that it's possible. It's just, it's just an offensive um, new sort of intelligence military department that is working towards creating cyber weapons and how do we I get see. control of... The infrastructure and uh, communications and internet and of other countries. Jeez, you know, and uh, you know, and that's part of the things that we're so that the government was so pissed off about Snowden because he didn't just leak that oh we're spying on Americans, but he's basically saying there there we 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 had the sort of the U.S. government had this sort of propaganda line that oh the U.S. is under attack by China and Iran and all these other countries and we're a big we're a victim and so we need a lot of money and people need to trust us because we're protecting because we're on is it we're it's like the barbarians are at the gate it turns out we're we're the bully right now we're the ones creating all these offensive capabilities and we're far ahead of everybody else and we are actively targeting and attacking and gaining control of and compromising the systems of of not only other countries but other but uh you know foreign companies universities and hospitals across the world so that's that's that was one thing I was really pissed off about because we had, the government had done a pretty good job in the mainstream media positioning itself as the victim. Yep. But now it's like, oh, <laughs> you guys are hypocrites. You guys are going around and beating people up and talking yep. about how you're a victim. And uh, anyway, I found the whole. I, I anyway, I the, the 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 conspiracy theory thought aside, which I find uh, to be interesting. I thought I, I was joking with a, a friend of mine the other day. I was like, it would make a good. Um, it would make a good basis for like a, a a movie plot line. Like, what happens when? Because right now, there's no there's no country that can really stand up to the U.S. But what happens when when that happens? All of a sudden, the NSA and the intelligence agencies agencies are fighting amongst themselves for control and budget and influence. So, what happens when the CIA and NSA decide that they're no longer friends? That they all of a sudden, the people running it, like, you know, because Petraeus got taken down. Remember how General Petraeus got taken down with the whole Paula Broadwell incident? Yeah. Right? Well, he, he got taken down because he was, his, the email, they were using, he and uh, Paula Broadwell were communicating using Gmail, even through fake accounts, offsite. Anyway, the whole, they got caught. And ostensibly it was through um, the FBI, you know, found out about it or whatever. But you could easily say, like, well, let's base a story around that. Like, mm-hmm. so the, this, the, you know, the, the director of the CIA and the director of the, of the uh, NSA are kind of at some sort of internal war with the trying to take each other down. Yeah. And they each, in each department is 
fighting over resources and fighting over control. And you could see how they could use their various capabilities against each other. Mm. And I was just looking out the other day. It's exactly what the good wife's like. Is actually. it? Yeah, very similar. Yeah. And it turns out, I, I looked this up just because I was, I was curious about it. It said General Petraeus and Keith, who was running the CIA, and, uh, and, Keith, and Al- Keith Alexander, who's running director of the NSA, they both graduated from the, the West Point in 1974, the same year. Mm. So they probably were classmates. They knew each other. Mm. So you could see how this could be like a great, you could see yeah. a whole TV series about yeah. it. NSA versus, you know, it's like these, this conflict. And I was telling my buddy who's um, <laughs> a guy on my soccer team, is a, a friend of mine. He, uh, he's the chief of the cyber crimes unit at uh, in the U.S. Attorney's Office. You, can you say that? Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. But I was telling him, I was like, I was like, dude, like you, it's like you make the FBI guy the hero, right? The FBI kind of like in the firm, you know, like he's trying to follow the law, and you have these sort of like covert intelligence agencies battling it out, and you have like the uh, the <laughs> FBI guy who's just trying to sort out what's really going on when stuff, you know, bodies start showing up. What do you think? See that? Would you watch the TV series? Yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's see what. Oh, you want to ask me about Tesla? The uh, you, you had a question about that. Yeah, the 90-second battery change. I think that's a big deal. Yeah. It's a bit, cl- a bit clunky and weird, but and it, it, it just kind of helps you at home. Mm-hmm. But it would be good if they had, like, I don't know, if on your journey they could do that. Yeah. Is well, that the idea? I, my impression is that the 90-second battery cha- change is for that. It's not really for your home so much as that if you're on the road and you want to stop and pull over, you don't have to wait a half hour for your battery to recharge. You just get it 90 seconds and boom, you're on the road again. Huh. So batteries are like swapped and shared between all Tesla people. Yeah. Interesting. Which which would work great. So you're saying Tesla went up to 116? Yeah, this morning I saw it was up at 117 or something. So it's almost quadrupled since we first started talking about it back in yeah. October. I think it is. Yeah. So I've my one share went from. <laughs> you're, you're a one share, uh, yeah, uh, tycoon. I've made some cash on it. <laughs> Probably like 30, 30 bucks. So, well, you bought it at 90, right? Or 87? No, I, I bought it at 80, didn't I? Did you? 80, yeah. 87. Oh, was it? Oh, you okay. bought 87, so you made okay. about 20 bucks. Fair enough. That's, uh, yeah, maybe you can go out and buy yourself a nice, uh, you, and, you and George are going to have beers. Latte. <laughs> yeah. So, um, right, well, you got, got anything to finish the show Let's off? see if there's anything that, I, did I bring that, did I mention this to you that, if I, I, I may have said this in the last show, but it's been so long since we only do shows every, every couple weeks now. Is, um, we're watching, uh, Sandy and I and the kids were watching um, some, uh, what show was it? Uh, we're watching um, Oz the Great and Powerful. Did I mention this to you? The movie. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and Izzy was asking about the magic. Is that magic real? Is this magic mm-hmm. real? And Colby turns to her and he's like, he's like, Izzy, magic is just technology we don't understand yet. i was like that's my boy (laughs) spoken like a true engineer yeah that's great um you know i think we should probably just go ahead and 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 call it a show because um you're uh you're losing it i'm I'm, I'm sorry you know apologize to the listeners for um even airing a show with with this kind of voice on it very sorry about that um but uh, at the same time we we had gone quite a while without a show so we thought we better put one out one way or another. Yeah, well, I, I had to like, I had to, I had to have a release, man. I have so many topics. At least I got a few of them. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Off the, uh, off my list. So, all right. Well, I hope you feel better. Thanks, man. I should. By the next time we have a show, I, I should have my voice back. 
Uh, sounds good. That's two weeks. You got two weeks to get better. Okay. All right. That's a wrap. We're out.